Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, Lord. After he appeared to his followers in Jerusalem, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of the disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, do you? They said to him, no. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes for he was naked and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. The Gospel of the Lord. Come and have breakfast. These words were printed on a teal coffee mug at a church plant I was involved with in Birmingham, Alabama. This church was meant to minister to those who had been hurt or burned by church, those who had been cast to the margins. 
I certainly was one of those people when I first found St. Junia. I had been out of church for the past few years. And after coming out for the first time, I thought I'd lost just about everything I had to lose. My marriage, my job, my house, my church, my community. So when I read the words, come and have breakfast on this newly minted church merchandise, I scoffed and said to myself, that's not in the Bible. (laughs) After all, I knew the Bible pretty well. I didn't bother to look it up or ask anyone, you know, like you do when you don't want to be proven wrong. (laughs) But it continued to bother me. So I formulated another theory. Maybe it is in the Bible, but probably in one of those quirky translations like the message. (laughs) It wasn't until I was in seminary a few years later that I came across this passage in John and admitted defeat. When I read the passage again this week, though, I was reminded of this time in my life. I started wondering what it was that made me react so adversely to these words. Come and have breakfast? They seem pretty innocuous, and I really love breakfast. (laughs) So what was it? I realized that at that point in my life, I didn't want those words to be in the Bible. Because it seemed too easy. Eating brunch with Jesus on the beach? That sounded amazing. But no, it wasn't in my paradigm for religious life. So what's wrong with things being easy? Think of all the ways we use and conceive of that word. Easy to find means achieved without great effort or presenting few difficulties. Some of the common phrases we hear are easy as ABC, easy street. We talk about the easy way out, getting off easy, having it easy. Or what about a person of easy virtue, easy money? While we're talking about breakfast, how about over easy eggs? (laughs) They just run all over the place, right? And, And that's what our culture thinks when we think about the word easy running all over the place, unboundaried, undisciplined, unreliable. I don't know about y'all, but easy doesn't sound like the Christianity I grew up with. We were kind of more of the take up your cross variety. And not only take up your cross, but run to grab others' crosses, pick up any crosses left lying on the ground that someone else might have left behind a long time ago. I imagine if we had been with Jesus that morning on the beach, our breakfast would have gotten cold while we went searching for driftwood to build crosses to carry. As much as Christians talk about grace and love, we certainly seem to hold on to the crosses we bear for dear life. Isn't carrying a heavy burden part of the Christian life? And Jesus basically says this to Peter in the text, too. You will have to take up your cross and follow me. In our Good Friday service here, we processed the cross down the aisle and proclaimed three times, 
Behold the life, the life-giving cross on which was hung the Savior of the world. Even on the dark night of Jesus' death, we acknowledge the life-giving nature of the cross. So what does this life look like? In a Huffington Post article titled, Brunch is Better Than Church, Pastor Josh Cobia explores the phenomenon of brunch. On any given weekend, you'll find people of all sorts gathering to share sweet and savory dishes and crafty cocktails. The attractiveness of brunch lies in a few factors, Cobia suggests. First, it facilitates meaningful conversation. Bo and I had the privilege of going to brunch with our young adults a few weeks ago. And the conversation just naturally turned into some tough theological topics at the table with people of varied backgrounds and beliefs. It was fantastic and powerful and all over plates of French toast and breakfast tacos. Second thing brunch does is offer inclusive welcome. Table fellowship brings everyone together no matter how you're feeling that day, what you're wearing, what you order, whatever idiosyncrasies that generally tend to separate you from others, brunch is an equitable place where you can just show up. Finally, brunch becomes a place where community and meaning are intertwined. At the table, we see a vision of the hope we have for the world. Well, where all are fed, welcomed, loved, and valued. In discussing declining church attendance, Kobe states, people didn't stop going to church, they just started calling it brunch. Wow, this really hit home for me. I remember in the years that I was too afraid to darken the door of a church because of my queer identity, I never missed Sunday brunch with my friends. Brunch was my church. And y'all, Jesus invented brunch. (laughs) And not just in this post-resurrection grilled fish and bread on the beach. It's all over the Gospels. Jesus is eating with everybody and anybody, anywhere, and getting lots of flack for it. Jesus consistently teaches, preaches, and builds community over food, with food, and in the presence of food. Anywhere we practice this type of communion, Jesus is with us. Jesus feeds us and asks us to feed one another. Life is not always going to be easy. There will be hardships without a doubt. And we don't deny the pain and suffering of bearing the weight of our crosses. But we also can't deny the power of the resurrection. And table fellowship anchors us in resurrection hope as we catch a glimpse of an abundant, just, and equitable world. Elsewhere in the Gospels, Jesus says, My yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
My hope is that those of us who have been taught that faith is a constant struggle can gradually begin to relax into these moments where Jesus is asking us to be present and enjoy life. And although I was wrong about my initial assessment assessment of breakfast in the Bible, I was right in assuming that there were some interesting translations. The King James Version asks us to come and dine. And the message exclaims, breakfast is ready. I can hear someone ringing the front porch bell with that one. Today we come as we are to this table of abundance as we respond to Jesus' simple invitation, come and have breakfast.